destination. Eat, drink. A crepe that's made in a soldier's shield. The best sausage roll in the whole world. And a market that's been around for over 1,000 years. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week, join us as we visit London, England. Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California. Welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Beautiful. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with Bart Hansen, Sam Katuri, and we got Katie. One Bartu spit cup for the house. four of us? Is that how? Uh, there's two. It's going to get weird. It's going to get it. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's and October. five so. bottles of wine on the table. It's October. October harvest has started. I don't think I'm going to be spitting. Oh, was, no. For me, it's October, which means I'm not drinking for a month. 32 degrees at Rossi Ranch this morning. Ooh, seriously? Yeah. Brian, how are you going to make wine and not drink? I can taste I did hear that sober October yeah. is it a new thing. Just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's a good idea. It, it makes it easier to remember, though. <laughs> it really sticks in your head. All right, we want to do an official introduction oh, here okay. with our guest today. Let's let's get serious. Sonoma legend, <laughs> Katie Bunchu. We got her off the road to sit for a little while. Captured 30 seconds when she's not in an airplane. Yeah. Right. Hashtag keep moving. Hashtag what airport is Katie in this week? Someone has to do work in my family. <laughs> Boy. Shots fired. Yeah, exactly. 45 seconds in. <laughs> I know you guys, you've all spent way too much time with my brother, so I finally get to tell my side of the story. Absolutely. And, and you know, and he does a very good job of making people think that he's working hard and is stressed out. That's what that's the definition of vintner, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but Jeff might overthink things a little bit. What do you think, Katie? Um, well, he's down in LA right now, and he managed to create a wine event at a concert venue, and Shocking. also somehow because he didn't want to entertain people, convinced our winemaker to come down for the day so that he had to talk to more people than Jeff did. Jet, so Jeff Jet Sweet to X enjoy the music. But, yes. but, but wait a minute, <laughs> Jeff pulled the winemaker out of the winery on October first. There's nothing going on right now. Yeah, let, we're not picking today. So somehow that conveniently happened so that Joe could go down to L.A. Jim Bunchu, are you listening to this? <laughs> I know my dad is just rolling his eyes somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome, Katie. We're, um, you know, we've done this at least one other time with you at the uh, uh, Grenache Day. We the recorded lost Grenache the Day. lost yeah, that one. Was, and that was a highlight for me, and it was lost, and I felt like the, I nailed everything. It was the I best, it, best show it ever did. It was so good. <laughs> the I best felt like I had heard. like the right buzz to actually be charming and entertaining, and yeah. then apparently got lost. Because it was in September and not sober October, so we were all having a good time. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my um, so, uh, you know, you mentioned something um, just a moment ago about how much rosé is out there. 
And um, can we talk about that a little bit? Because, you know, everybody's, again, this year, there's a lot of rosé being made. Brian's talking about making rosé out of Cabernet from free grapes and stuff. Um, fired. But, so fired. <laughs> Just a couple hundred cases. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's how it starts. It does. Um, so, so what is the rosé market out there right now? Saturated, to yeah. say the least. And I... You know what? I really appreciate rosé and I like it, but I actually have a boyfriend who I will not name who's a winemaker who can't stand rosé. <laughs> and people want him to make it and he's like, I'm not making an effing rosé. He's just not that way. But um, we, stu- we still do drink it, but we're just kind of, the, the fact of the matter is there's so much out there as I travel around. It's a whole aisle down any wine shop now. And... I mean, it's a solid bottle of wine, but I just love so many other white wines that are out there that are on the market that are so much more complex to me than a rosé. But I'm probably people are rolling over in their grave over I'm not a hashtag rosé girl or rosé all day or I mean rosé all never with with Katie Bunchu. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, to back up a little bit, the reason why I asked Katie that is Katie, besides representing Gunlock bunch you out in the marketplace across the country. You also have Abbott's Passage, which is your project, mm-hmm. your your wine label. Um, but you spend a lot of time on the road, and mm-hmm. so you have an interesting perspective than those of us that never leave the island. I think you would say. Yes, and actually, I'm like talking out of both sides of my mouth because, for the record, I do make a rosé for <laughs> Abbott's Passage, and I really like yeah. it, and yeah. it's delicious, and it's complex. So I, I'm not, I don't poo-poo rosé all the time, but uh, I do feel like there is. So so much rosé out there in general. Right. And I'd rather sell something else. I mean, isn't this kind of the thing that happens in this business with any category of wine that it, you know, it gets, there's good ones, people love it, it gets overmade, mm-hmm. and and then, you know, there's a little bit of a contraction in the ones that are worth keeping around stick around, and the ones, hopefully, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but the ones that <clears throat> um, just aren't cutting it start to fall by the wayside i mean you know like merlot like merlot and then you know i think pinot noir is in in large parts in that Mm -hmm. in that world right now um where you know just because you can plant it and grow it and sell the fruit doesn't necessarily mean it's the right place to do it um and and the right wines to make from those sites and then you know you, you when markets get saturated, that's when those things get exposed, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I love the wine industry, and luckily my family has a long history in the wine industry, and then that subsequently has helped me launch Abbott's Passage. But wine is so romantic, and everyone falls in love with it, but it's hard to sell wine. <laughs> I mean, that's the other half of the business, if it truly is a business for you, is everyone I love to make it I love to be a part of it I love to create the brand and the story but to go out and actually sell it on the road to someone in the state of Ohio or someone in Tennessee and have that resonate with them it's hard it's hard to do and um, but that's what I love the challenge of that I love telling stories I love sharing my story I love sharing my family's story this is for Gunlock Bunchu mostly is what I sell on the road because that actually pays the bills and um, but Abbott's Passage as it's kind of starting to get a little bit more momentum I love to tell that story as well 
Well, where where did the Abbott's Passage idea come from, too? And what is the what's the um, origin of the name? Well, there's kind of two stories about it. Well, tell the pretty one first, and then tell the real one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, if anyone's on a trademark search recently, everything is trademarked. It's the hardest. It's Welcome to that world, Brian, because you're gonna have to come up with a name for your wine, and all of them. are I know who's that. You know the guy, Mr. Donald Pats. Is that him from yeah. Pats and Hall? He, yeah. I just got an email this morning of you know the new wines that he's involved in, and uh, man, they. The names just don't even make fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like 16, where did they come up with these things? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. But the name Abbott's Passage, it's more of a metaphor for my own personal story. But to back up a little bit, and I'm actually not sure, Sam, if you gave me this other version of the story. But there was... <laughs> so Sounds possible. That could be, correct? So there was a priest that lived over at the Christian Brothers over in Napa. And once a week, he would trek down from the Christian Brothers to his favorite local watering hole, which is the story that I always grew up with, which was the Swiss Hotel. Or then, I don't know if it was you that told me that there was another story that instead of going to the local watering hole, he went to the boys' hot springs. But I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it's like if, there's two stories going on well, here. Well, I mean, boys' hot springs... There was watering holes and, <laughs> and um, spas there. And spa, yeah. you know, Boys Hot Springs has a sordid history. It does. Um, that a um, man of the cloth could, <laughs> you know, hide out in Sonoma as opposed to Napa and, um, and not be know, noticed. Yeah. Like, pursue worldly desires. I get where you're going. <laughs> but the same thing could happen at the Swiss Hotel. Yeah, there's bedrooms. I mean, there's, the yeah. there's ho- anywhere that there's a bedroom, <laughs> things can get weird. <laughs> so. Great. That's a really great way to talk about my brand. Evans Passage. (laughs) Evans Passage, everyone. (laughs) But, um, so, growing up, I had always heard that story, and we actually have a map that that has a footpath on it that says, at the time, Old Indian Footpath, and it shows a footpath from uh, the Mayakamas all the way down to Sonoma. And that gave us that inspiration for us being my brother and I when we were kind of spitballing ideas for this name of that story that this priest trekked through this footpath. And it was pretty rugged, if you can imagine. It's rugged now. Yeah, yeah, it's still really rugged. And And so in thinking about that as a parallel to my own journey of how I left and actually didn't leave, but I didn't come back to the family business until 2012. It was this priest's journey who was hell-bent to get to Boys Hot Springs, the Swiss Hotel, wherever you... To do missionary work. work. To do missionary work. <laughs> and kind of Wait what he's... Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that worked. I think that worked. Oh, well, yeah, not, not for Katie's pride. No, you know. no, no, no. But a more of a metaphor for journey and discovery. And that's where that name Abbott's Passage comes from. And then that, like I said, I sort of went off on my own. I had a different career before I came back to work for the family and had was actually the first person in my family to receive a paycheck from somewhere other than Gunlock Bunchy. Yeah, what were you doing? Um, 
And also, just for the record, when I asked my dad how to write a resume out of college, he was like, I've never had to write a resume. I have no idea. So he was real help in my professional development on that aspect. But I didn't the, even bother asking. <laughs> <laughs> you did it, yeah. So I actually grew I, I grew up not necessarily wanting to work in the family business right away. I figured that I would something would tell me when it was time to come back. I just knew it wasn't right when I graduated from college. And so I got my master's degree in sports business administration and started working in college athletics after kind of a brief stint in advertising, which I hated that industry. But then while I was working full time, I got my master's degree and then started working in college athletics at the University of California, Berkeley. I interned at the Florida Citrus Bowl down in Orlando, and then I ultimately worked at my alma mater, the University of Colorado in Boulder. Go Buffs. Go Buffs. Did you hear that, Jeff? Go Buffs. And he went to USC, everyone. So family rivalry. But um, And after the re- working and fundraising during the recession and also when your football team wins probably five games in three years, three seasons, it's a little rough. So at that point in time, I started appreciating my family's history. And that's when I ultimately decided to start thinking about making the transition to come back and work for the family in Sonoma. And now here I am almost eight years later. What was the idea? Was it that you wanted to do wines that were different from Gunlock Bunchu or just wines that you like to drink? So both. And I I love Gunlock Bunchu, but all of the wines that we make are very driven by our site and our unique position in the southern in southern Sonoma County and I really wanted to be able to find some alternative vineyard sites from not just Sonoma but from beyond as well and be able to showcase them and showcase our talented winemaking team and highlight the stories behind these vineyards as well. I brought a bottle of Sightline. It's a 2018 vintage. It's actually the second vintage of this and First and foremost, the family who we purchased this from, Herringer, which, Bart, I believe that you make a Shenan from there. Or um, actually, no, you know what? I, I never bought, I always got mine from Clarksburg. Okay. Um, and where this is from. Okay, yeah. so, but yes, but not from Herringer. Okay. Um, I, I forgot, this is Clarksburg also. Yes, yeah, Yeah, I, I did not. Um, okay. The, it was it certainly was some people I talked to, and um, I got mine, it was an old Kenwood connection. Oh, okay. So. Well, Clarksburg, so you're familiar with yep. the region, but Absolutely. the Herringer family has been farming there for five generations, yeah. and I thought when you go visit the site, they have one of those old, really beautiful old central California farmhouses yeah. that is you don't see anymore, right along the Delta and the the Herringer brothers who now run the business, they're, they just have that whole family mentality, and with all of these wines, I really want to highlight that because as a family-owned business, Gunlock Bunchu is, I want to be able to support other family-owned businesses because it's such a fraternity that we have. And there's it's, it's just a uniqueness when you're working with your family that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. So Sightline is 80% Chenin Blanc, 20% Verdejo. I co-fermented it together. Little stainless steel, little cracked cement cement egg what? <laughs> cracked on, on purpose <laughs> it was this second hand cement egg that we inherited yes. that's how we roll right. but it still works 
it's awesome. A little bit of masonry. No, exactly. A little bit of a little bit of zhuzhing, and it works. Um, you know what I like about this wine, Katie, is that. What I found with the Clarksburg Shenan is that it was somewhat one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of you know nice acid and good you know lemon citrus, um, uh, but that was kind of it. And I, you know, that's that's what I got out of it. And then when I got the opportunity to buy the grapes from up in Mendocino County, it was a little bit more of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. By putting the Verdeo in this, you've added the complexity to it mm-hmm. um, and really kind of elevated the wine. Um, or at least the Shannon from the from the Clarksburg to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's definitely what the thought process was in in just co-fermenting a little bit of Verdejo in there. And so, because I know the Herringers grow just about everything you can mm-hmm. imagine, why did you pick Verdejo and not any number of the other things? I mean, I'm so happy you didn't pick Viognier because <laughs> the play people over the valley kind of ruined theirs with it. But what was your inspiration? It was more so the kind of, you already talked about it, the zippiness that Verdejo can bring. I mean, I think Verdejo is a fairly simple white grape. It doesn't have too much complexity to it, but it has the zippiness and the acidity to it. And if you've actually, it's crazy that it does look that way because if you actually look at a cluster of Verdejo, they are one of the only varietals I've seen that look, it's one of the only varietals I've seen that looks like fish eggs. Like you can see right through the skin and you can see the seeds in the grape. It's crazy. Interesting. And so, I mean, it's that, and that was, that to me is very cool to begin with but it is all about the zippiness and the acidity that the Verdejo can bring to that Shenan which I do feel like can be somewhat one-dimensional and not as complex but I wanted to counter that with some of that Verdejo yeah yeah it's really nice well done well done thanks um yeah Shenan Blanc is kind of like Viognier in that way right I mean it's really about when you're picking Mm-hmm. It I mean, is. If you pick it, a little too early or if you pick a little too late, you're kind of missing that window that, mm-hmm. that all those beautiful phenolics and all that. Yeah, kind of. and it kind of changes the complexity of it. Like um, uh, Joel Burt was saying, you know, his, his thing is he's trying to get away from the the lanolin wet wool kind of thing, which is, you know, kind of overripe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing, I mean, that's not, it's not overripe at 26. It's that's overripe at maybe 22 and a half you start oh. to get those flavors so it's not that it's not that it's actually overripe it's just more mature flavors and these these grapes just happen to come in basically at the same time they do yeah. i mean and that's that's what's really fun about co-fermentation and also challenging about co-fermentation and normally for this we actually look at the shenan bricks and pick on that first versus the verdejo right. And so normally when that Shenan's getting up there and we just picked the 2019, we just brought it in last week. And I want to say, I think it was like at 23 bricks. I'm not sure. But um, that when we, we brought that in. And so the Shenan kind of is always the deal breaker of when we pick. Right. And the Verdeo tracks a little mm-hmm. bit behind yep. it and has higher acid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, yeah. Because yeah. what is the alcohol on this one? Uh, I believe. Just out of curiosity. Uh. Thirteen four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really nice. And what is this retail for on your website? Which would you give us the website so if people are listening they can go on the website while they're uh, sure. So it is get that winemakers podcast bump <laughs> totally. <No. laughs> that the Abbott's Passage sightline 
And uh, it's called Sightline because the first time I went up to visit the property, it was a bluebird day. And um, I looked out to the west and saw the snow-capped Sierra Mountains. And it was a really cold morning that I was out there. And I just loved that view of the Sierra Nevadas. And so hence why it's called Sightline because it speaks to where that location is in Clarksburg and that view. And so it is abbotspassage.com pretty simple and it's a b b o t t no no one t one one t uh, i'm pretty sure i spelled it wrong on the text message to you this okay. morning <laughs> i didn't correct you okay. two b's two one b's t. one t all right abbotspassage.com sightline it retails she has a master's degree bucks. right down sorry hey and how many cases <laughs> of that did you make around 200 okay cool that's so pretty small and you guys have a tasting room we do it's not a tasting room Wait, it's, not, it's a supply... It's a supply company. Supply company. Okay, which means what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and this is, this, I mean, so we've talked in the past about how winery experiences are changing, mm-hmm. and there's no doubt that this is a very unique one, Katie, what you're doing. Um, yeah, so it is pretty unique. Um, and so my when I decided to open up the space, my one kind of sticking point was that I did not want it to be a traditional winemaking tasting room. It were, it needed to have something else going on and really be an extension of the brand. And so I started, we created a space called Abbott's Passage Supply Company. And in this supply company, we sell merchandise and we sell goods, we sell wearables, and then we also actually host events and do makers workshops there. And we actually have a guest speaker coming up here on October 5th, Obi Kaufman. And who I'm so jealous of Abbott Passage and Gun Buns, um, just sort of like ownership of the Obi Kaufman space because he's like the John Muir of now, right? He really, really is. And I actually didn't know too much about him until we had that, until he came and spoke. It was about a year ago now, yeah, I want to say. Like a much year exactly, and a half yeah. ago, yeah, when he was promoting his first book and the Field Atlas of California. And Which is now, awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's such an interesting way to look at ecosystems in, in California. And now he's coming to talk about the water, the systems of water, I believe right, right. it's called. The state of, the the state state of, of water. water. Yeah. Thank you. The state of water. I'm, I'm a little bit of an Obi Coffin fanboy <laughs> sitting here. Hopefully he doesn't listen. <laughs> Wait, so what is the date of that? It's October 5th, so okay. it's just coming up this Saturday. Okay, perfect, So, because this will be out Friday the 4th. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's coming in to do, he's on a book tour currently promoting this book, and so he's stopping at Abbott's Passage to talk about the state of California water, and which I know is a hot topic of conversation these days, especially if you're a farmer or in any type of agricultural business, water is a hotbed yeah, topic. Yeah, for sure, yes. And is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, can we break down the store? When you say goods and wearables, yes, <clears throat> I want to know exactly what we're talking about. So wearables are any type of versatile clothing, that something that is pretty simple, whether it be a black dress if you're a female and you can outfit it multiple different ways with a scarf or a belt, or we sell Filson wear which is, we sell a lot of menswear, which is Filson branded, a lot of um, what I call the winemaker uniform, cool vests, mm-hmm. and yep. um, quilted vests, or however you want to look at it. But um, I get the Filson catalog at home, and I just kind of 
thumb through it, dreaming of all the nice clothes they have. Yeah. Yeah. That you would ruin. <laughs> that that's, ruin. That's, that's, yeah. that's why I look, I go nice, oh, I could destroy that shirt in one night. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but we also share or sell a lot of the goods from makers that come through the shop to do workshops. So whether it's um, Kelly McVickers, who does, she um, does canned pickles and vegetables and yes her last name is McVickers McVickers pickles yes it's it's That's good stuff. there's just like sometimes there's only one thing you can do with your life you know when your last name is Bunchu you're probably gonna end up making wine right if your last name is McVickers she's probably getting the pickle business yeah for sure well she also did this really yummy cauliflower with curry cauliflower mm. and it was so good we were selling it in the shop I've had that they sell it at Miracle Plum too oh, yeah. in Santa yes, Rosa yes they do that's actually one and of the and they did a little uh, fermentation yes. workshop I know that yes. I really wanted to go to but mm-hmm. uh, okay yeah it's really good yeah, yeah so she did a kombucha making workshop at Abbott's Passage Supply Co. Nice. about a month and a half ago. And she's so a rock star, yeah. She's so great. She's so good at teaching people how to ferment things. She yeah. she geeks out over it. So, uh, the, like the reason that I wanted to do workshops is because I have this innate curiosity factor of a lot of things. And not that I'm going to go out and learn everything, but I want to... One choose pickles doesn't really have... <laughs> I know, it doesn't have the right ring to it. But still, there's certain things that I would love to know how to do, and I would love to know the process of how something is made, i.e. kombucha and scobies and understanding that world. And so oh, that was something of when I started the Abbott's Passage Supply Company. I wanted to bring in people that could educate me on things that I have curiosity factors on. Right. And your location is so unique and yeah. fits the mm-hmm. brand so well. Yes. Did you have to wait for that? Did you see it was coming and said, that's the spot? You, you know, we were looking for a spot. And then in true Big Brother fashion, Jeff said, I found yeah. a spot. And it kind of was like, I guess we have to use this spot now. Right. But it turned out because he was so excited about it. and He signed the lease and then went yeah. on a two-week tour with some indie rock band that you've never heard of. <laughs> 100%. Totally. And then he was like, here you go. Open up a shop. I found it. But uh, no, the spot, you know, we love it. It is it is down a hidden alley. It's a journey to get to it. But it's perfect for what I'm doing with the brand right now. And um, I love the fact it's that like it's like an old barn or yeah, something, right? Yeah, it was. I think it was built in 1870. Yeah. Um, it is a. Don't quote me on that, but I do know it's a historic building within Sonoma. It's a, yeah, it's a cool. It's a, and then so the if you haven't been in there, it's it's like you walk in, kind of looks like a cool retail shop, except mm-hmm. for that there's a bar for wine wine tasting and then upstairs there's the loft where you do the workshops right the workshops and the seated tasting experiences so you can sit outside and enjoy some wine or you can go upstairs and do a formal seated tasting as well but it's down in sonoma it's down what's called vine alley is probably the easiest way to tell people it's sort of the hidden part of vine alley yeah like yeah. way down vine alley you have to like way back there to go through just some keep bushes. going until you see exactly go through some bushes <laughs> Hopefully no poison oak, but yeah, it's part of the Abbott's Passage experience. <laughs> exactly, You're walking through my Thomas Mountains. Priest probably <laughs> contracted some poison. Right, probably oak. so. Yeah. <laughs> when are you guys making the wine at Gunbun? Uh, Gunbun, gun just for those of you out there yeah. that don't know, that's what we call it. I don't know why. 
No. Well, because you try saying good luck bunch you five times. A hundred times. times so good luck bunch you go rich demeanor. You're yeah. sober enough to drive, right? Exactly. It's actually, when people are in for dinner and I ask where did they go, it's always the one that they struggle with. And they're like, <laughs> like we went to judge. I'm like, good luck bunch you. Yeah. 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 It's like, you didn't buy the t-shirt? <laughs> the one that explains. They didn't explains. show you the cork? Right. <laughs> Gosh. But, um, yeah, we do make the wines at Gun Bun. So I have a, luckily I have a great winemaking team where they really help me make the wines because, as I said, I'm on the road selling Gun Bun. That pays the bills. But I really work with Joe and Keith, our winemakers, to help. And they help in the direction that I'm going with the wine. And then I actually go out and sort of find the sourcing that um, and give them the direction of what I'm looking for and the varietals that I want to explore and play with. And I also, there's some vineyards out there in Mendocino that I would love to start working with. And so they, we, we kind of have this team together that helps me. It takes a village. Well, let's let's talk about. I know we're drinking uh, the. I, I could say it. I'm gonna say it again. Gunlock Buntrug of Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the varietals in general because I know we're we're going. We had the points unknown mm-hmm. last week while we were picking Brian's Roussan and sixteen six hundred homage blanc. Um, we mm-hmm. brought in yeah. uh, a white Rhone blend for you guys. Yeah. Right? So with the Abbas Passage portfolio of wines right now, there's the Sightline, which we were just drinking, and then that's kind of the white flagship for now, up until who knows, right. now that we just started getting this Rhone blend. Rossi. But, yes. Yeah, no, I remember. I saw it get weighed out. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those grapes look better than mine. Yeah, <laughs> wait a minute. Where are those going? <laughs> yeah. Can I get a few of those over in this bit? <laughs> We're going to those buns. <laughs> Might have picked a couple clusters out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They looked pretty good. I did. I did go check out those clusters when they all came in. But um, so there's a Points Unknown, which is from the Steel Plow Vineyard up in northern Sonoma Valley. This is a 16 vintage, and it's actually a Grenache Mavedra Syrah as opposed to a Grenache Syrah Mavedra this vintage. GMS is yeah. the right order. Yeah. yeah. Really in, my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I would agree. The, you know, Syrah, Syrah is just like, just a little Syrah goes a long way in it these things. It really does. Yeah. I agree. So there's Points Unknown. New this year is another varietal, another red wine called Tripoint, which is a Syrah Viognier co-ferment from the Fanati Ranch up in the El Dorado Hills. And wow. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Abbott's Passage Coat Roti. Mm-hmm. Cool. Exactly. And how did you guys swing that one with the co-ferment? Uh, v- very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the Viognier and the Syrah are probably not coming in together. Um, they actually did come in together. Wow, okay. Yeah, they did They did come in together, and then I foot-trotted them all myself. Wow. So, yeah, they did come in together that nice. last year. Okay. And then I think we used a bit too much Viognier in it, so we're going to get a little less Viognier. It's a very pretty wine. Yes, it's yeah. a very, yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the in, in the Northern Rhone, they they do use the, the Viognier to counter the you know they if i remember right the viognier is usually quite a bit sweeter and the syrahs not getting sweet quickly so mm-hmm. they kind of counteract and balance oh, each other out well, yeah, especially at the low percentage of viognier well mm-hmm. the, the challenge that we have making this in california and you know we deal with this in, in the dos limones vineyard is our syrah does get ripe and you know i don't know this site in el dorado mm-hmm. hills but it's still probably warmer than coat roti mm-hmm. you know right. coat roti is the coldest part of the Rhone Valley. So, you know, I, with 
with us, we have a few rows of Viognier in the block of Surat dos Limones. And we actually net the Viognier right. because then it gets sweeter so much faster than the than the Syrah. So you can just you know keep the birds off of it until everything else is ready. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's kind of how how we deal it. But um, it's just enough mm-hmm. to kind of you know elevate and sweeten the the aromatics yep. of the Syrah. That's, oh, I that's love the, that wine. That's the goal. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I loved it too. It f- it fits really well with the portfolio because it is a more it's very elegant, and uh, in fact, we're releasing it in a couple months, and it's the 18 vintage, so it's more of a easy-drinking red wine. And then, so that's Tri-Point, Sightline, Points Unknown, and then there's the Crossing, which is a Petit Verdot Malbec blend wow. from Arrowhead Mountain, the base of Arrowhead Mountain. And I think that wine, what I love about it is you're taking these two mainstays that are normally blenders in a traditional Bordeaux and you're blending them together so you have that backbone of the petite Bordeaux and that inkiness with the Malbec which is fleshier and juicier and so that is called the crossing. And Petit Bordeaux hangs a little while right? Is it one of the ones kind of comes in later? Especially down there. Yes definitely yeah it's normally one of the last varietals that gets from Arrowhead Mountain. Well, and, and, and is you, that you is, talk a little bit about where sort of Arrowhead Mountain is in com- relation to Rhine Farm and and Gunbun and like you know as you're entering Sonoma Valley, what, what to sure, look for? Sure, sure. So, well, Arrowhead Mountain is the last mountain in the Mayakamas Range, and it I believe is kind of just on the Sonoma side because you don't really correct. They don't refer to Arrowhead Mountain mm-hmm. over on Napa. It's just on the Sonoma side. So it is this southernmost tip of the Mayakamas region or Mayakamas range, literally just before it lowers down into what is Carneros Valley. So you get a lot of coastal influence from the San Pablo Bay. I like to call it maritime influence. Because yeah, it's not the coast. It's not the coast. <laughs> it's maritime. And that really helps with actually longer hang time in a lot of the the fruits that grow along, or a lot of the varietals that grow along Arrowhead Mountain, specifically Petit Verdot and Cabernet, it can hang a long time because it's of those breezes that we get. So that is where Arrowhead Mountain is. And, and and it's really interesting. I remember having a discussion with your dad about this once, is that those higher, higher blocks on Arrowhead Mountain, how different they are than down on not quite the valley floor, oh, but yeah. down at the bottom. And and even though you would look at it and go, oh, it's all kind of the same weather, mm-hmm. it's not, especially because mm-hmm. of the angle and the exposure um, uh, that it gets that morning morning sun, and a lot of times above the fog. At the 100%. Tip that. that, and I mean, just the temperature variation itself by, if you're standing on the valley floor and then you go up to the hillside portion, yeah. I mean, it can be 10 degrees warmer, 15 degrees warmer yeah. on any yeah. given day. I had that experience, uh, you know, last week. So the equinox was the 22nd. We go into this heat wave, uh, the beginning of last week where, you know, Tuesday and, and Wednesday, it was 102 um, you know, highs of 102. Wednesday morning, I, I had a meeting at Silver Cloud, the Stone Edge property at the very top of Cavedale Road, you know, almost probably like 1,800 feet. And, you know, it was 9 o'clock in the morning. I, I leave Sonoma Valley. It was one of those warm mornings. Um, you know, it was in the mid-70s. 
And by the time I got to the top of Trinity Road, uh, it was 85. And it probably had never dropped below 80 that night. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things that really sets apart mm-hmm. the the mountain, you know, the hillside vineyards and the mountain vineyards in Sonoma Valley is, you know, when it gets hot, it stays warm at night and, and really sort of like sets color and, and flavors in a way that, um, you know, doesn't happen in, in other parts of the valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then by Friday morning when we were out there picking... Uh, the white roans at Rossi, it was forty. Six, it was uh, sixty-two when we left. Right. Yeah, but it, it's, it was about what was that? 40 Six o'clock de- like in the morning. Forty-eight degrees when yeah. we got there in the morning. So, yeah. you know, over the course of you know from Wednesday night to Friday morning, <clears throat> temperature dropped fifty-four degrees. I mean, it, we have to say this has been a unique since we're talking about a unique grape growing season. Um, everything from the rain, you know, at fruits or at bloom to. No matter what time of year it is, it'll always rain on Sonoma Valley signature rainstorm. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Have that one in December morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's just—it's been really remarkable, and it continues to because you know it—it's just changing this week again. Right, 30, also, thir- in the you know mid to low thirties this morning right. at six a.m. at Rossi Ranch, mm-hmm. and then it'll get back. You know, it's going to be eighty-five this weekend. Um, but those are the, you know, it will create. A unique expression of of this vintage and of you know the wines in this region. If you you know play your cards right, both in the vineyard and, and in the winery, it could yeah. be something really special in the lines of you know 2010 and 11, which sort of can be maligned and panned vintages, mm-hmm. but the good ones are some of the best wines we've ever made. Yep. 100%. I know. There's a couple of things that you just said that resonated with me, and one is. Just the temperature swings that we get in Sonoma and Northern California alone. And I wish there was some way I could capture that and take it to people when I'm talking about how nuanced Sonoma is and to be able to share with them. Because until you come out here and actually visit it and understand one of those cool foggy mornings, but then that fog will burn off and it'll heat up to 90 degrees or 85 degrees you don't really understand it and it's people people don't get it if you are from the midwest or the east coast where where i was just in new orleans last week where it's just hot and humid 24 hours a day and there's no variation in temperature no break no break at all and then the second thing that you talked about is when one of the projects that i've been working on with gunlock bunchu is we're we're trying to create a way and some dialogue around maritime climate cabernet and mm. again yeah you did an event yeah. not that long ago right mm-hmm. with yeah. todd jolly right with todd jolly came to the second tasting your dad came to the first one and um what we did is we've been working with this gentleman named peter weltman who is a writer he's also a certified sommelier to really kind of characterize a concept of what Jeff and I have been talking about and using this term of cool climate cab Mm -hmm. for the last probably seven years as a way to just talk about our property and Southern Sonoma in a Cabernet sense that's different than Northern Sonoma County or either over in Napa just because our little area of Southern Sonoma for Gunlock Bunchu is so different than so many of those other sites and to really talk about what that means and the nuance of it, we use the word cool. 
But like most things we do, we kind of put the cart before the horse and started talking about cool climate Cabernet before we actually had a there there. Uh, uh, 170 <laughs> years of that history in my yeah. country, right? Yeah, so, well, 161 uh, years. If who's, we're, who's, who's counting? But who's guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But um, so Peter, we've been working with, and what we did is we did one tasting of Southern Sonoma County Carneros Cabernet that was 2011 vintage. So yeah. the coolest of the cool yeah. in a cool region. And What's then cooler than being cool. <laughs> Ice cold. <Okay. laughs> I get, yeah. And then we did a 2014, which was a hot year in a cool right, region. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And so we compared those two vintages from the same sites and we had Peter went back and kind of collected that knowledge and then what came from his first round of his paper that he wrote, which is supposed to be a white paper, research paper, is the fact that we needed to do a second tasting and um, taste 2011 and 2014 of mountain Cabernets grown in Sonoma and talk about what you're talking about, the warm nights right. up, at, uh, up at the mountain. And so we had that, Tajali was there, we had Lalo Vela, who is a buyer at Oxbow yeah, yeah. there. And it was a really actually unique tasting, not for just what came out of it, but was the fact that in the room we had growers, we had winemakers, we had salespeople, we had buyers. And to get people around a table to talk about wine and talk about how they like how it affects them. And so Lalo was what his thought process was, okay, how do I take this back and try and explain this to a customer and educate them? Sounds and like a great concept for a podcast. Yeah, no, it would be <laughs> a great concept for a podcast. So how many wines that you found were how many wines did you find? How many different producers? So we had Gunlock Bunchu, Laurel Glen. Yeah. We had um Robert Craig. We wanted yeah. a cool site from Napa. Right. And so where is Robert? Because I know. I mean, obviously, I know where Gunbund is in Laurel well, Glen. Ro Robert so Craig is Mount Veeder. Yeah. So Mount Veeder is the coolest part yeah. of Napa. So we wanted that as part of it. Uh, we had Repri. Um, we had who am I missing? Oh, um, Mark Harold came from I forgot I forgot But you guys were really the well, only uproar. cool uh well, he also makes the Cayman. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. He was thank you. He was representing Cayman. Duh. Oh, yeah. That's why he, yes, he was show up eventually. But but you guys were your your wine would have been the one that was really truly the cool climate wine. I would throw Laurel those. Glen in that category. Well, you're right. Too. You're yeah. right because yeah, you're you're right. Just a different aspect of right. cool, but right. yeah. yeah. But those are the two, the coolest ones. I mean, yes, the reprise up on the mountain and, mm -hmm. and whatnot, but um, yeah, that's it would have been a great tasting. Yeah. Do this sure. for the public with an all Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool Sun yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. Well, we want to do that. We want to continue this style of tasting again. Yeah. We want to keep doing yeah. it because what came out of it, the dialogue that did come out of it was so interesting. And I mean, as winemakers, you kind of sit around and taste wine a lot, but to be able to get thought leaders in respected areas talking about wine that and having everybody kind of contribute to that was a different, unique platform. And so we really appreciated that aspect of it. And I mean, what I liked about it too is Cabernet is, Cab is king, but it's also tough to sell. It's especially tough to sell Cabernet from Sonoma. Right. And to be able to, again, talk about the small nuances of 
Cabernet that's grown in Sonoma and to kind of a jaded audience that believes that they know all there is to know about Cabernet when you're talking about it. It's I really like that and it kind of gives you a new thought and a new appreciate appreciation of the Cabernet varietal and the Cabernet grape. Well, what I think is interesting about this is sort of in context to something I think we've talked about earlier this summer, which is this uh, article that Esther Mobley put out, um, you know, in July or, or early August about sort of the future of what Napa Valley Cabernet. Um, looks like mm-hmm. and and how you know there's some places that are planting other things mm-hmm. to sort of balance the the extremity of of the you know weather you know 2017 at 117 degrees in Calistoga mm-hmm. over Labor Day weekend yep. um you know as we look forward to those types of extremes um and what the consumer thinks is sort of the you know profile of classic Napa Cabernet is is probably Going to start shifting south, and did that just break? Yeah, you were you were you very were aggressive fast. with that. You were just you know you these that? cavalier fucking psalms, man. You was, and you're <laughs> not even wearing your pin. If you would have had your pin in, <laughs> pin on. Sometimes you get cocky. I got cocky the other night on a bottle of Camus Special Select. It was like a '98 or something. I'm like, oh, that cork looks really good. Buncher that you right. Just- but then, then I forgot that the Camus corks are like nine feet long. <laughs> <laughs> I went in and brought three quarters of it out. Um, Don't worry, I got a trick for this. But anyway, you know, it's, you're a professional. My, my point being, you know, that cool climate in this context mm-hmm. is not necessarily cold sites. It's not Occidental. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's places yeah. that have that maritime influence that have enough cool weather to keep Cabernet having some classical. Um, expressions right mm-hmm. Isn't yeah that- it won't be um canned asparagus or canned green beans no right. it'll have no red fruit pepper, right. no mm-hmm. bell pepper um and and you know i mean i think that's what you can say about california cabernet or sonoma cabernet in the 70s and 80s is that you know they struggled with that so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that's great katie uh, good for you guys for uh, continuing to learn always yeah always you can't rest on 161 years of history. Right. You got to continue. That's such a reminder to the rest of us who are, you know, on, on generations two and three. And I'm looking at the back of this six generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that there is no, there is no let up. You can't. No. You, know, you just get passed by by everybody else. No, I mean you 100%. guys have you guys have evolved. In, in, have evolved incredibly in the 20 some odd years that I've known your brother and mm-hmm. whatnot um, changed you know from um, the days of your dad and Lance mm-hmm. and then to where you're at now with Keith and I mean and it's been wonderful and you know with Jeff's passions for music yeah you guys have created something very special there and um, I know that I ride my bike through there a lot on the weekends or during the week and of course, you, pushing. You, but you walk your bike walk, through. Yeah, of course, you walk I do. Through yes. the production area. I do. Yes, yeah. always. Like the, like the signs right. say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always people hanging around the patio, mm-hmm. and um, and I can remember a day where that wasn't necessarily the case. No. You know, you guys relied a lot more on selling in the broad market. So yeah, we definitely did. Congratulations. And thank you. And for all the crap I give my brother Jeff, I. It's, it's all deserved. <laughs> it's, it's not. And he definitely 
changed our business model in the early 2000s. And I really, really think that that one dramatic shift in our business and is the reason why I get to be here still telling our story as um, 20, almost 20 years later. And that shift was essentially saying, to your point, Bart, we're taking our 100,000 case production of mostly selling through the three-tier system, and we're cutting that to 25,000 cases. And oh, we're gonna increase the price. And at that point in time, people thought he was crazy to make that shift, but it is what we needed to do to focus on our property and our state and making the best possible quality wines that we could produce. And that was the decision that he made in order for us to be successful as a sixth generation. And that's where... And here's to your dad for like going along with it. And letting him do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that Jim was totally stoked about that. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. There's there's like a, a place on Arrowhead Mountain that apparently my dad and Jeff had like a come to Jesus talk. (laughs) And Jeff always points it out whenever we're up there. That was the rock that my dad almost threw me off of. (laughs) Exactly. 100%. That's what he says. So, but you know, I look back and I, and my dad, he, he's a legend in his own right and what he did. And, but he's really let Jeff and myself and of course our other brother, Rob, really take the helm of as a sixth generation and run the business together and I think that Jeff and I as business partners probably work really really well together because we're totally yin and yangs when it comes to things but that's what is so great about a family business how is that 98 tastes great if you don't mind a little chunky (laughs) little pieces of cork (laughs) I murdered that thing some cavalier psalm absolutely murdered it (laughs) Yeah, so I had, I always have to bring a Richterminer. I feel like that's just in my carry-on bag all of the time, no matter what, because you can't say, if you can't say good luck when you give Richterminer, you shouldn't be driving. But the, this 2018 vintage is actually representative of the 160th harvest and vintage of Gewürztraminer and at Gunlock Bunchu. Wow. So Gewürz was one of the original varietals it's, that... It's really good. My, yeah, I had that last little sip in my glass. Yeah. That um, Gewürz was one of the original varietals that my great-great-great-grandfather Jacob Gunlock planted back in 1858. And we've actually harvested it every single year since then. So I have to carry that around. And then... I actually, um, sorry, Gracie Bunchu, stole a bottle of your 1998 birth year wine to share with you guys because Gracie actually does turn 21. This is Jeff's daughter at the end of this month, and oh, she requested Molly. some. She requested to drink some birth year wine, so we have There's some a little test to make sure a little little, little, little flavor test to make sure that it's showing up. And you better and, like this, Gracie. I know exactly. <laughs> so. Sorry, Gracie. I know you're not listening, but I mean, this is <laughs> not a lot of 20 year olds listening to our podcast. Probably 20 year old girls in Sonoma, probably not our demographic. Yeah. <laughs> this is unfortunately, this is beautiful. I mean, this is this is Sonoma County Cabernet and aroma. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And maritime influences. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not it's not over the top, and you know, no, it's, in a time in a time in winemaking. Cabernet making history in Northern California where going over the top was just starting to get cool. Uh, right. This was, you know, and that that's kind of, I mean, the, my, the thing I was going to say is, you know, here we are six generations later 
Um, and this is a winery that has been able to sort of adapt and see the trends and, and buck the trends and set the trends. Um, you know, that transition to a DTC environment probably mm-hmm. five or six years before it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but still making dry Gewürztraminer yeah. all these years later. You know, you got to... You have to appreciate that, and still family-owned, which is probably the biggest rarity of, of, um, right. of the mall, right? Right. Yeah, and 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 we should acknowledge that, you know, and still family-owned because for years we've been talking about oh another one, another one, another one, and right. mm-hmm. um, and even wineries that I always remember saying oh they'll never sell or you know. It's happened, so mm-hmm. good Good for you guys, well, and, 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 and good that you're powerful and strong. So. And it had to have been, you know, look, I, I, not to play what-ifs, but if in 1999, 2000, they'd gone stuck with 100,000 cases or, mm-hmm. or increased, um, you know, you know those the way that the market is out there and the economics of it probably would have had to have sold. Uh, yeah, you know, to pay off debt, basically. Um, For sure. I yeah. mean, I I think about that. I think about the fact that, I mean, eighty seven percent of this of wine sold in the U S. is sold by seven companies, which yeah. is pretty crazy yeah. if you think about it. Like that is that's not a big piece of the pie for the rest of us that's left. And all of you guys are in the same boat. I mean. You're going to start, Brian, start making your rosé from Cabernet. Cabernet rosé. You're going to have to get out there, (laughs) take some of that piece of the pie. No, you know, Katie, you don't know this. So Brian did actually enter into the winemaking um, realm this year. And um, we just, um, he picked his grapes last week. It was the same day we were picking the grapes for for Katie. Yeah, Yeah, so he's making a rosson from the Rossi Ranch. That's how are you feeling what about is that, the name? Real, real ripe. Oh, there's no... P- Paul Paul had me out here for about an hour yesterday telling me about how important it was to come up with my label as soon as possible in the name. And yeah, yesterday was a and slow you have day. To, you have to honor Rossi Ranch, and it's got to be a, you know... Um, but I don't know. I want to get it fermenting. Well, yeah, <laughs> I like, guess that's, that's as far that's out as I'm step. looking right now. because It's beautiful fruit, and... You know, everyone's lending a hand from Steve Law and Cindy Costco and Bart, obviously. And Jeff Cohn has lots to say. And anyone I meet on the street that has anything to do you with the wine to, business, you need to quit I, asking I people questions. <laughs> Phil, of course, has got some advice for me, too. And, you know, I, I, I take his advice <laughs> yeah, pretty seriously. Exactly. <clears throat> but it's, yeah, it's uh, in barrel. And Bart and I are going to go. Play in barrel, a, not fermenting yet. Yeah, not fermenting yet. So. What are you going to call your Rossi? You know, I know blend? that I was actually up last night thinking about that. Wow. And I know Sam's going to ask me, but <laughs> I come up with something. So I have to do a little brainstorm because every proprietary name for Abbott's Passage is very much specific to the site or the the winemaking style. So I have to figure out because I know there's so much history at Rossi Ranch that I got to. F- dig something up yeah. because it's pretty unique for sure so <coughs> you know Rossi's are good old Catholic Italian Roman Catholic family there is probably some <coughs> some abbots passing through there somewhere well yeah. and and if you go by Sam's family history you could call it first glance first glance yes. first glance Ooh. where his was- father first 
laid eyes on his mom. I know. I was going to talk yeah. about that. <laughs> you wouldn't be here without that. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Val Rossi. No. <laughs> Setting my parents up. The story goes that when Val sent my mom his her like W two or whatever at the end of the at the end of the year, he included a letter that said, um, "Dear, you know, Miss Katuri, or wait, are you?" Um, are you now a missus or are you still a miss? <laughs> well, she's 40 years later, she's still a miss. <laughs> Actually, I think she's over behind that car over yeah, there. Just be careful what you say. Out. Yeah. <laughs> she's always looking over your shoulder somewhere here at the tasting room. It's, she's the real boss, the COOOO, the chief olive oil officer. Yep. I learned that very early. <laughs> yeah, day one. Yeah. So, Katie, what's um, what's coming up that's exciting for either Abbott's Passage or Gun Bun that you want to uh, share with people? Sure. So, we talked about um, Ubi coming this. Er- I'm so jealous. I can't. I, I, we have a packed schedule that day. I'm gonna. I can't sneak away. And I know. Go I actually am not gonna be there either. Are you gonna be back on the road? Or are you? So yes, but um, it's family weekend at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and my brother and sister-in-law are going because their youngest daughter, my niece, is a freshman, and so we booked this trip months ago when Ava first decided to go to CU, so have to make it out there to support the Buffs. How pissed was Jeff when... His niece decided to go. Me and his daughter. His do- oh, this is Jeff. Oh, this is Jeff's his daughter, daughter yeah. that's going there. Yes. Oh, so he's even more like fan. No, he's he's cool he's with not, it. Cool not he to have to pay USC actually, tuition. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he has he has one at USC. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he has that part of right. it. So and, he's got it covered. And yes. he'd probably rather go to Colorado to visit his daughter than. You know, many other places, well, right? It all depends on who's playing at the Wiltern, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or at Red Rocks. Or Red Rocks, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Jeff's not really a Red Rocks guy. He's No, he's more of a... like there's a small theater called the Bluebird in downtown Denver, which is way up his style. Right. Yeah. Once somebody can fill Red Rocks, they're, they're not cool enough no, anymore. No, they're not. They're exactly. Being with Chica. <laughs> no, they're not. Trust me, I, I've traveled with Jeff to see music, and... <laughs> You couldn't. You can't believe some of the things that he's drugged me into to see. I mean, oh, I probably I, I believe it. <laughs> so unfortunately, we're missing the talk this weekend because of that. But uh, I know it's who are, who are they playing? Um, Colorado's playing Arizona. So is the hopefully a victory, but I don't know. Sorry, any Wildcat fans out there. <laughs> But we have that at AP. We have a holiday open house happening in conjunction when we do the lighting on the plaza to support the community. And then there's another event that we're doing in San Francisco. Somebody who actually brought notes. I did bring notes because I wanted to get the dates correct. Because who knows? I know I don't know when this is going to air, but I still needed to take notes. Neither um, do we. We're just I know. randomly so, talking into microphones. <laughs> so one of the events is at the Collab SF. And it's actually a co-worker maker space that supports women. And we're doing a wreath-making workshop with a woman named Marion Moss, who has done a lot of events for us at the AP space. Right, so, you only pick people who have names appropriate to their job titles. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Bookmakers and Marion Moss. Yeah, you're right. I do. That's awesome. So there's that. And then... Sam, only you would like pick all of that out. Well, you know, my florist is named Daisy Rose, so <laughs> I, I am I'm on I board. I think like you have to, right? Yeah, definitely. And then, of course, that gun bun. We have 
a lot of concerts coming up on the schedule. So you're just going to have to follow us on Instagram, actually at both Abbott's Passage and um, at Gunbun Wine. And, and those are just straight up as as they sound. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Can I just pick your brain quickly? I mean, since you spend so much time on the road, I think for for people that are in the business of selling wine. What is that like? Who sets up the appointments? Is it your distributor sets all these appointments oh up for you? And then it's you- like a blind date. <laughs> Are you taking notes, Brian? Yeah. So first and foremost, it's definitely like a blind date. Just if anyone wants to know what it's like. But wait, um, you feel like it's the blind date with you and the rep, or you? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. You get into the car, and half the time, a rep you've never met them before. And and, and the reps, his rep has all these things that he's promising. Um, and then how many of them actually come true? That's the question. Um, f- exactly. That is the question. But luckily, you know, I've had a lot of great experiences out there with uh, working in the market. And Just hit, hit that once. <clears throat> so, okay. Brian's got to go to work. The uh, VW bus is very quietly glided up to the back door of 16600. And so we have uh, another West Wine Tours uh, group coming in. Jake's driving. Yeah, he is. Jake. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who, where these guys are from, but we'll find out. Totally. Where are they from, Jake? Uh, we got two from Pennsylvania, two from Chicago, and two from Fort Collins, Colorado. Fort. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's hard to ship wine to Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, actually, we have a license in Pennsylvania. That's good. Yeah. Well, it's hard to. It's yeah. The, to distribute there too. Yeah, Pennsylvania is one of the weird ones left out there. Yeah, but getting back to what Brian asked, I mean, spending time on the road, it's tough, but it's really fun, and half the time, it's 50-50. I mean, I've been on the road enough now that I set up some of my own appointments with some own relationships I've made with buyers, and or I've set up time to work with sales reps if I come into a market, because again, I've made some relationships with sales reps. But for the most time, in a lot of markets, you're at the mercy of your distributor, and they set up the day for you. And so you don't really know where you're going until that morning when your sales rep picks you up from your hotel and takes you on your day. And you just hope the car is clean. You hope the car is clean. And yeah, like yeah. I said, it is like a blind date. You kind of know within the first five minutes of yeah. talking to someone whether or not it's going to be a good day or a bad day, whether or not you have something in common to talk with someone right. about. And um, it's not easy. I mean, I... I, Whether or not to bring up politics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I and I've only had you know a few dozen experiences ultimately, and um, you, yeah, you're right. You don't know what sort of personality you're going to get. They may be focused. You know, KJ may have a program that they're trying to close a deal on for a trip to right. Hawaii, mm-hmm. and you're just trying to get you know a couple new placements. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's some of them are very professional. Um, they explain how things are. Some mm-hmm. of them, you just can't believe what's going coming out of their mouth. Yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah, it's hard, Katie. I, I salute you. It's you know, it's hard. But it's work. fun. I mean, that's what I love about it too. Is in California, while I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, we basically live in a bubble here on the left coast in California. Thank God, the California and bubble. It is. It's it's a good thing, and then it's a bad thing too, because we're we have. We're spoiled here in Northern California with all the wine we get to drink and and how much we're exposed to it. But then you go to Dayton, Ohio, 
and talk about wine to a lot of people there and they're passionate about it but they it's not as savvy as wine community as there is here but at the same time from whether or not politics does come up you just get a perspective on um, how that state is and how the midwest is and it kind of just is a refresher and that's what i love about it the most so how many how many states is gun bun in how many states a year do you do you actually visit do you think so we we're pretty much distributed everywhere and we sell about 20,000 22,000 cases through the wholesale market and some of our biggest markets are California Missouri Colorado North Carolina and then um, we, we kind of dabble in some other markets as well but I don't I I was just recapping my last trip and last two years of travel because we're budgeting not to get into the business side of things but we're budgeting for the 2020 travel year and Jeff has promised to travel and spend more time on the road selling wine. Somebody must be on tour. <laughs> exactly. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, you hear that? It's, 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 it's on the record now, Jeff. He said he's going to do it, and, and uh, he's got to pull through because I'm already setting him up on some dates next year. So <laughs> waiting for you in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> we, uh, exactly. I mean, he's an empty nester now. So That's true. He, yeah, he excuses, he has, Jeff. Exactly. Yeah, Liz can get out on the road also. They yeah. can do it together. Exactly. But... Um, I've been to a lot of states. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I imagine you probably um, could have a lot of miles um, racked up. You know, I do, but not enough. Right. <laughs> not, <laughs> which is okay. not, no, which is not a comment about how much you travel or not. It's really a comment about how fucked up the airline right. industry. Totally, is. and how much probably other people travel yeah, exactly. as well. Which right. You're not, get, you're not getting those gold star upgrades, no, are you? No. I. It seriously, it's, it always amazes me because I, I already feel like I travel enough and a lot. And more than the average person. And then half the time I'm like, who are all these like 1K platinum people who are like, what, do they spend all of their life on the road? Like, so. There are do. people. There are yeah. people commute on Monday morning. and Yeah. there. I mean, there Saturday. definitely are. So. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty fun. I, I like it. And it's always, it's always. I love hearing the stories about Gunlock Bunchu, specifically about how a bottle of gun bun was the aha moment for someone where they all, they always tell me that story. Like, you know what? I had a bottle of 1992 Gunlock Bunchu Merlot or a bottle of 2004 Cabernet. And that was my aha wine that really got me into the business. And I love hearing those stories. That's, that's one of the reasons why I'm in this business. Well, and again, it's a, brand that is you know held its ground for long enough that there's enough, a lot of people that have mm-hmm. been that's their first exposure to mm-hmm. Sonoma Valley wine yeah. you know um, it is and, and you know from a time when there was a dozen you know half a dozen or a dozen wineries in Sonoma and you know now there's how many ever there is but um, it's it is it's cool like that it's the place that you know when people ask me questions on where to go sort of day of you know, if you don't have mm-hmm. weeks out appointments um, to get to the cool places that the only place really left to go is to drive up to Gunbun and and have the full winery experience, a cave, the wine bar, the, you know, the, the winery, the patio. the patio, the vineyards, yeah. you know, cyclists going through too fast. You're still, um, you're still doing the vineyard tours in the... In the Pinsgauer? Yep. Yes. Yeah, We're still doing that. Cool. And do you know Jeff drove that vehicle up from L.A.? 
Took him two weeks. Right. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. go faster than fifty-five miles an hour. Stopped in Santa Cruz for a yeah. week. <laughs> there, was, there was somebody doing a residency at the. Uh, at the uh, what's that room? What's the uh, yeah? Yeah, right there. Yeah, in Santa Cruz. My Santa Cruz. Mo's Alley. Let's throw Mo's Alley out there. It's not where it is. But yeah, we still do. A great place. We still do the Pinsgauer experience. We do, um, which our other brother or my other brother, not our, but my other brother, Rob, it does a lot of those tours and drives the pins. And I mean, we have the cave tours. If you just want to enjoy a glass of wine on the courtyard, that's available too. We have tetherball now. So tetherball, like like elementary school like tetherball. Elementary school tetherball. Fuck yeah. Yeah, we definitely we we installed one of those. So awesome. um, come up and play in the annual tetherball yeah. tournament. The thing I love about that is you know there's no rant, you know no stray ball. There's no like you know Mm-mm. volleyballs bouncing yeah. through the courtyard knocking over glasses. It's it's literally tethered. It's, yeah, it's, it's so brilliant. <laughs> exactly. Are there rules to tetherball? I don't know. I always just like would just hit it as hard as you could and you know I actually played. We were up wrapped there, around the pole. We were up there recently and actually played a game with Dane and you know they still play in middle school right and so yeah there are some rules and um i thought you were gonna say that you were an actual legit tetherball no, player no, in the league no, no thought you were no. going down that road you were, we gonna, be on the, you were no. gonna be on the ocho I'm soon sure. <laughs> i'm i'm stuck on pickleball you know <laughs> you're still stuck on pickleball huh mrs vickers pickleball <laughs> i was gonna say that was that was, that was a softball for yeah, you totally though. totally <laughs> all right well, Sam, um, Katie, anything else you want to touch base on? What else is what? So, you, what do you have to pick for Abbott's Passage? So we, we got the whites. We in. have the whites in. We still haven't picked steel plow. Right. And then it's not ready. Yeah, yeah. I figure Phil. Phil will call the pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only farmer who calls. <laughs> yeah, the pick. exactly. It is true. And people don't argue. Right. No, well, people don't argue. So. <laughs> uh, we have that one. We have the Fanati Ranch up in the El Dorado Hills that will, still needs to come in, and I think that'll be. Maybe late next week. We'll see how this heat spike, what happens to it. And then that's it. Cool. Yeah. And And then we'll be done. With Abbott's Passage, of course. Go to some football games. Yeah. Go to some football games. Hang out. um, A few more trips. And then that's it. Right. The rest is O-N-D. O-N-D. It's October 1st. It is. It's time to... Get cranking. Yeah. yeah. It is. The holidays will be here before we all know it. Oh, man. Felt like that this morning. 32 degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ice in the bins at uh, the bottom of Rossi. Yeah. yeah, it's, um, and it's, days are getting shorter, right. even though we're not changing our... Yeah, what is, the, what are we, are we not changing? Well, yeah, are we, what is that? Are we not what? changing our clocks I think now? we change in, our, I think we change, change and then we and never, then change, we never again, change again. Which sucks, because it's the wrong one. Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It is the wrong one. So we fall one. back. We and fall then back. We permanently and then stay we're fall permanently back. back. So California. Oh, we're going to do this really innovative thing, except we're going to do it backwards and make everything fall backwards. Perfect. Right. And and I don't think anyone's really kind of thought about what it's going to be like because yeah. it mm-hmm. is going to be dark when you're taking kids to school. Right. It is. So the yeah. other thing that I know we're wrapping up here, but the other thing that California just did was actually the first state, and it was Gavin mm. Newsom, to since I have a college athletics background, to sign a bill saying that college athletes yeah. get paid yeah. for using their their likeness, their likeness endorsement deals, and right? their endorsement right. deals, and yeah. 
I mean, as someone who worked in college athletics, I definitely feel that athletes make a lot of money for their schools, but exactly how that is going to work and who's going to manage it and how are they going to determine how much people get for their likeness and what one person's likeness is worth versus the other. Well, the other thing is that every state's going to have to do it. Yeah. Because most everybody will just want to go to come to college in California. I know. Or California schools will get kicked Kicked out of the NCAA. NCAA. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But that or, I mean, if you are a rower... Right. And then there's a f- someone with right. football, which is a much more high-profile sport. How How is that going to get determined? So, I mean, I think it's a very progressive for California and not surprising that Gavin Newsom did that. But I still feel like there's a lot that needs to be figured out before that yeah, actually. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, really the only ones that are going to benefit are the are going to be the top of the top in every sport. I mean, certainly a world record holder in rowing will be able to market themselves to a boat company Mm -hmm. or something, but it doesn't help the entire across the board. Because I I doubt there's going to be shared profits. I agree. So (laughs) who who knows? I mean, it's a sticky situation, but I do, living and breathing in college athletics, I do see how much athletes, their likeness is used and, I mean, yes, they receive a free education, but there's also other costs and sacrifices that they have to make, too, when they're in school. So. Right. Well, and this has been sort of a hot topic on all the, both news radio and, and sports radio. And, and podcasts. And podcasts. Um, Wine-making podcasts. Wine-making podcasts, which is clearly where this conversation belongs. <laughs> um, is it in some way sort of, like, the way I see it is... California trying to force the hand of the NCAA right. to to evolve and find a way nationally to compensate, you know, these these players, yeah. these athletes in a way that, um, you know, makes it fair because somebody's making all that money and it's and it's not it's not the star quarterback and wide receiver, yeah. you know, point guard, and, and nor is it the you know third string rower. You know, I don't find some. <laughs> I don't know enough about rowing. Um, <laughs> But you know somebody's making that money, and and it's and it's yeah. n- not the people actually competing. Yeah. Who, yeah, exactly. I mean, and who knows? I think they did do it to, or Gavin did it to force a little bit of the hand. But to bring it back to wine, he signed it on LeBron James's HBO show, and we all know LeBron James does love him some some wine, some cool climate. Uh, I know he needs to get some cool yeah, climate get, cabernet. Let's get LeBron can, in on one of those tastings. Oh my god, that would be awesome. Right. Yeah, that would be pretty yeah, cool. Signed it on LeBron's in the uh, in the barber shop. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. That's not a publicity stunt, you know. No, no not at all, not at all. All but politics is politics. Should, should we talk about? <laughs> want to talk about <laughs> Sonoma politics a little bit now? <laughs> Hope you went to the last farmers market because <laughs> that might be the last farmers market. <laughs> oh, you went there. Yeah, somebody had to go there. Actually, I wasn't there. I was uh, having uh, the 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 boys at Scribe put on a little sort of very local oriented uh, oh, dinner Cafe at the Cafe La Haye yeah. that night, which I, know, uh, I, I didn't realize that. was the last farmers market. You, I'm sure, were on the road somewhere. I was in New Orleans. Um, and uh, and in the sort of upheaval of rest the restaurant scene in in Sonoma right now with a big player out of the picture, uh, it was a, it was a nice thing and it was. An entire, you know, I don't know if there's anybody there who it was. It was all like friends and family, okay. and and kind of a nice. We don't see each other very much this time of year, Agreed. so it's kind of a cool thing. Agreed, yeah. for sure. Well, cool. Well, anything else, you guys? 
Go see Obi Kaufman. If you're listening on Friday, yeah. break down the door at Abbott's Passage on Saturday morning. Yes. Let's tell him Sam sent you. Tickets are still available? Sure. It's okay. <laughs> like Sam yeah. said, yeah. Right. break down the wall. Right. Katie won't be there. <laughs> Katie won't be there. <laughs> exactly. And you're probably going to listen to this next week anyway. So <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. So guess what? You missed you out. You missed the best thing going in Sonoma this weekend. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, So check out uh, gunlockbunchu.com. I think it's just gunbun.com. And abbotspassage.com. And it's A-B-B-O-T-S-P-A-S-S-A-G-E. Abbott's Passage. And follow him on Instagram. Follow, you know, the- On the Grams. The Grams. The, grams. the, uh, the If you're not following winemakers on Instagram, um, it's been, there's been cool stuff there. And, you know, we're all kind of posting to it. And yeah. uh, we're picking grapes and making wine. So follow us along on, on Instagram, on Twitter. I don't know if anybody uses Twitter, if, I think, to find out what yeah, they the do. president they said do. this week. But right. um, I'm going to post a picture of Brian's cork that he destroyed. Yeah, we should definitely <laughs> cork shame Brian a little bit. Uh, now that is inside working and not listening. Uh, oh, look at that! I need to follow you. Yeah, guys. look, we're gonna we just, just got a new, new follower, follower right there. Look how this nine sixty one. This is how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, review, rate, subscribe. That's how. Uh, those are the ways that we grow the listenership. So please uh, let us know how you. And you know, sh- and if you have any questions, shoot Roger Randall an email <laughs> right. at mountaincabernet yeah. at gmail <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. No, it <laughs> yeah, totally. Cool. You have to listen to the next last yeah, episode. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and somehow I think you'll probably be meeting Roger Randall. Yeah, he's definitely now that now that you've been on here, Roger will come and, yeah, and now that you're on you his radar. Yeah. Shout it's out, that, Roger. The winemaker's bump. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I don't know if this is a good thing or bad thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. It's all. It's all good. It's all good. And he's a he's a wine lover and podcast fan from. Uh, like he's technically Illinois, but works and lives in or like right across the border in St. Louis. Louis. Oh, cool! Um, and was out last week, sort of just on. He's on the Winemakers Podcast tour. He goes to places that you know we've talked to, That's and, awesome. and um, you know buys wine, gives gives us some, gives us a cool bottle of uh, Turley, and yeah, um, took him around to some vineyards. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. A lot of fun hanging out with him. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Cheers. Bye.